The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. One and all, welcome to Friday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you want to follow me on Twitter, as I've said before this week, and, you know, previously, you can just Google search Dan from Hoop Ball. That remains the easiest way to find me. Hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're rolling back into the next day. I didn't think there was any reason to rush today's podcast out since we talked all week Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday's shows about the uh, risk-free wager on Thursday morning over at my bookie and then odds boost stuff going on all day today over at my bookie but I will mention that at the time of recording this we still have four or five odds boosts left to explore today so if you haven't done it yet go to mybookie.ag sign up using promo code hoopball all one word h-o-o-p B-A-L-L, and make sure you check out the Odds Boost. I think it's under the Black Friday heading on the uh, the main page. In fact, over on the left nav bar, you can click on Black Friday 2020, and it'll show you whatever the most recent special is at MyBookie. Only one of them runs at, at a time. Um, they turn one on, they turn one off basically every hour. And so far, and we're still kind of watching them, I think there's only two... Of the 12 or 13 wagers that are prop bets, which is kind of, I think there were four or five of those last time. Those are the ones where they really just give you great odds on something that's very likely to happen. Whereas the rest of them this time seem to be heavily shifting the number on stuff by about a touchdown on a lot of football games. So like, you know, for instance, early in the morning, uh, the first one was actually a college basketball game, and that one was a, a weird one. They didn't move the line all that much, but they did move the price to plus money on both sides. So if you wanted to middle that, you could. Um, the odds boost one was one that ended up hitting. And then, you know, the, a lot of the rest of them are, you know, one team that was favored by two is instead a five-point underdog, or, you know, total was supposed to be 56, they lower it to 48, things like that, where... For my money, I prefer to then bet the odds boost number and then middle that with the original line, which you can still get elsewhere on the website. So we've been doing a lot of that today. A lot of the games that these wagers are on are actually tomorrow and Sunday, so we're not going to get results on all of that stuff. But again, all we really need is one or two of these middles to hit, and immediately you're up 50, then 100. Every, every time a middle hits, you're going to win 50 bucks. And there's no risk. You're risking like $2 on each one of those. It's basically a 25 to 1 proposition on your, your middling opportunities. Eh, 24. Uh, what am I doing? Something like that. Yeah. It's like 24-ish to 1. Because um, you're you're at risk of losing about $2. And, you know, you could win about 48, 46 to 48. Somewhere in that neck of the woods. And anyway, splitting hairs at that point. Um... You're basically at 23 to 1 odds that a game falls roughly within 7 points of the spread on the correct side, which is quite likely to happen. It happens more often than one out of every 23 to 25 games that pops up on your board. I mean, you look at the end of a, a college football Saturday and look how many lines fell within a touchdown, and it's going to be a lot higher than that. 
So we're middling. We're just middling away over here. We're having zero risk and a couple of them hit. Then you got some money. If you bet on the Titans, then you played a game that didn't exist. If you bet on the Texans on yesterday's game, you took home your risk-free winnings. If you bet on the Lions, you got your money back. And then we knocked out the rollover today on Friday. So it's been a really cool week on my bookie so far. A lot of folks have already won $250 and counting, depending on how the rest of these odds boost things go. And obviously, we will tell you anytime these happen. But listen, if you're just listening now, you still got a couple hours left to get in on a few of these last few odds boost. Mybookie.ag. Promo code, once again, is HoopBall. Also, a large piece of information. Last night, Thanksgiving evening, the Brewski 150 dropped. You've been waiting. It's here. The B150 for the 2020-2021 NBA season. It is officially out. Hoopball 360 subscribers got it yesterday. Fantasy Pass and early B150 a la carte buyers get it next Thursday. And then people that just got the draft guide solo get it the Thursday after that. So the release dates officially now are the 26th for the earliest ultra never done before, almost four weeks before the season release. That's in the, the HB360 package. Hoopball 360 package is $12.99 a month. The 3rd of December is when it gets put into the Fantasy Pass and the early B-150 a la carte. By the way, you should just get the Fantasy Pass. It's the same exact price as the early B-150 a la carte, but you actually get the draft guide, uh, DFS coverage, and all in-season tools for uh, six months, and they're they're both basically $30. Uh, and then the draft guide solo is 20 bucks. And uh, that gets you the B-150 on December the 10th. So depending on when your draft is, you might be able to save a buck here and there. I happen to think the Fantasy Pass is your best option. You get charged $4.99 a month for the first six months, and then it just locks in at $4.99 on a month-to-month thing after that. That gets you the release next week, December the 3rd. Not many of us have drafts before then, but if you do, then you're going to want to get in on the HB360. And I got to tell you, I looked at it last night at the end of my Thanksgiving. I was home, got the kids to bed finally. I was just gassed. A couple of Pepto-Bismol swigs and some Tylenol to try to take some of the edge off. And then I just cracked open the B-150 and started rolling through all them nine category rankings. And it is, as usual, super fun. I know Brew is working on adding more of the data into the board right now. Right now, you have the B-150 ranks. That's what you got. Um, He hasn't plugged in his notes or the ADP information yet because it's not clear that all of that stuff is, um, act, well, on the ADP side at least, not, it's not clear that a lot of that stuff is fully accurate. Uh, but I know that that's coming here any day now. But you got the ranks. You got what you wanted. Sign up now. HB360 package if you want the B150 at this exact moment or wait until uh, Thursday of next week. And uh, then you get in the Fantasy Pass. So that's some big stuff. That's some big stuff. Also, big stuff is because this is a Friday show, I told you early in the week I was going to save the real goods for Friday. And so that's what we're doing today. I'm putting a pause on our conference-by-conference spin around the NBA. Uh, We've got the Northwest and the Pacific divisions left to do first thing next week. Uh, maybe first thing next week. Um, Today, we're going to start in on Yahoo's ADP information because I can't hold off any longer. It's not moving substantially over the last couple of days. I I reckon it will as they update things. I don't know if it gets updated dynamically or if they do it, you know, once a week or something like that. Uh, 
But we're going to dive into it today. Uh, we'll see how far we get, maybe top 24, something like that. It, we, we'd like to take my time and, and kind of break these things down piece by piece. We may continue with that on Monday or go back into the conference-by-conference conference spin. Either way, it's time. It's time. This is what we need to be doing. This is where we start to find our values. So that's what we're going to work on today. Number one on the Yahoo ADP board. Yahoo's, by the way, their average draft positions, for those that are unfamiliar with the uh, the acronym the average draft position of these players. This is Yahoo putting together all of the drafts that have occurred on their website so far on eight and nine category formats and lumping them all together. So there's always going to be, depending on which format you do, if you're an eight-cat guy, cool, or gal, or you know, if you're a nine-cat person like myself, there are going to be values created just by the fact that Yahoo's ADPs incorporate both formats at once. For instance, for instance, Luka Doncic is going, uh, his ADP is 9.9, which actually makes him the number nine guy drafted on average. But, you know, it doesn't take a, a, a Rhodes Scholar to know that for him to get to number nine in a nine-category format, it's going to take a Herculean effort. He was number 27 this last year, despite averaging 29, 9, and 9 with three three-pointers. And, by the way, his field goal percent wasn't that bad this last year. It was at 46%. Free throws and turnovers were dragging him down. You take turnovers away, he leapfrogs everybody, pretty much, and goes from 27 to 12. Okay, so fine. I could understand the argument. Maybe he moved from 12 towards 8, 9, or 10 in 8-category format, or maybe even higher. What if his free throws go up from 75 to, you know, 81 or 82? That's a huge deal for him. You eliminate uh, his biggest anchor weight to his value. But in 9-category, that 4.2 turnover number, that's not going anywhere. And I know, I know, I know. If you're playing head-to-head, you can pretty much overlook that stuff because you're trying to maximize games played anyway, so losing turnovers comes with the territory. But in Roto, he blows you up in one category right out of the chute. And he's great in a lot of stuff, but that's why he was 27 on a per-game basis in nine-category leagues last year. Now, if you're playing in eight-category leagues, the same is true as you kind of flip that thing on its head, and it's not as obvious at the front end of drafts because generally... The guys at the top of fantasy drafts are not people that help you in the turnover department. But, you know, someone like a John Collins, who uh, his ADP here in this early look is 13 and a half, which I believe makes him the 10, 11, 12, 14th drafted guy. It's going to be really hard for him to be 14th in eight category leagues. I know he was seventh in his 41 games last year in nine cat, and you don't drop that much. Even though he was good in turnovers, he drops to 10. But trying to sustain that for an entire season is going to be uh, a pretty heavy lift. So I don't think that that number, maybe that wasn't the great example because, you know, front-end guy, he was he was a top-level dude anyway. But if you look towards the middle of the draft, there are low turnover guys that actually get a very slight bump because of the nine-category stuff that gets rolled in on these, these Yahoo ADPs. Based on what we're seeing, I would venture to guess that most... Yahoo drafts 
even though their default setting is actually nine category, I think a lot of people draft as though they're playing in eight category leagues. The fact that Russell Westbrook is number 21 in ADP is, I think, a pretty good example of why that's the case. Russ was 38 in nine category leagues last year. There's no reason to look at his numbers and think this is a guy that's going to l- jump a round and a half forward unless he gets traded to a great spot. Uh, and that's despite the fact that his free throw percentage actually and field goal were both much better last year. So, you know, as you analyze your your, your Yahoo ADPs, you guys like it pronounced Yahoo or Yahoo? I think of Gulliver's Travels when I every time I talk about the fact that most of my leagues are on Yahoo. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, because we play nine cat. And because I play Roto, and I know a lot of you guys are in head-to-head, and, and you know it's not that hard to translate what we do on this podcast from one to the other. Roto nine-cat leagues, low turnovers, got that, that's where they will still have value. That's basically the only spot where low turnover guys have value. Head-to-head leagues, they sort of don't, regardless of how many categories you have in your league. And then, obviously, in eight-category leagues, it doesn't at all. So three out of the four league types, they're standard, you know, eight-cat roto, eight-cat head-to-head, nine-cat roto, nine-cat head-to-head. Three out of those four options, turnovers sort of don't matter. The one where they do happens to be the one where I play a lot of my leagues. I like having low turnover guys get a, an ever-so-slight bump. I like the fact that Chris Paul, who, you know, 2.2 turnovers a game and seven assists, that's a really good ratio. That gives him a slight bump in nine-category leagues. Doesn't change his positioning, by the way. Eight versus nine, I think he drops, like, what, half a round? Something like that. Chris Paul was 14th in nine-cad, and he was 20, oh, 25th. All right, so he dropped almost an entire round. Chris Paul should get that extra bump. He was that good last year. He shouldn't be demoted because he didn't give the ball away every time. And there's a point guard we're talking about. Everybody's like, ah, you shouldn't be punished for being the guy who handles the basketball. Yeah, that's true. But you all, you should be punished if you're a guy who handles the basketball and just coughs it all over the court. You know, Westbrook having 4.5 turnovers a game, that should be a negative. Chris Paul having only 2.2 that should be a positive if you were going to stack him head-to-head with Russell Westbrook. Almost everybody that watched last year in the NBA was like, damn, Houston would have been better off with Chris Paul. Chris Paul was the better player last year. So shouldn't that be the case in fantasy too? That's just why I like it that way. It just seems like it parallels um, reality a little bit. And everybody's like, well, there's some guys out there that just like stand around and don't do anything. They shouldn't be rewarded for that. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But we're talking about guys like back near the edge of the top 100. Who cares about those guys? You know, Daniel House having 0.8 turnovers a game, fine. Like, if you want him to not be a fantasy player, I have no objection to that. The fact that he's not useful in 8-cat but is useful in 9-cat, just, that, that's not, who cares? I don't know. Who who ends up at around number 100 if you flip-flop it? Like, uh, I don't know. Like an Alfred Payton gets a little bit of a bump? Who cares between those two guys? Can you make a, a, a true call on which player was actually better for their team last year? That was pretty close. I'm just talking about guys up near the top. Guys that are actually doing stuff. They should be rewarded if they don't just deuce the ball all over the court. Don't poo it all over the court. Be good with it. 
Gort Hayward at 1.8 turnovers. He was really efficient. He was useful. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Not really the point of today's discussion. Just talking about ways that you can exploit Yahoo's numbers. I think that's probably the a big number one thing is understanding that these ADP numbers do incorporate both eight and nine category results. So mark that down as we're going through why a guy might be in a particular spot. But also, as we segue to Yahoo ADP tenets number two, we talk about this every year going into draft season. I think it's important that we do so to sort of reestablish what those main points are. Main point number one, understand that the ADPs incorporate two different types of drafts. Main point number two is as you take that information and roll it into your draft, understand what other people are seeing on their computer screens does subliminally or liminally, what movie am I quoting there? Or superliminally. (laughs) It does subliminally impact the order of how people get drafted. There are very few fantasy players on this earth, and I'm sure a handful of you out there are listening and saying, I'm one of those people, and that's probably true. Such is the magic of a small sample size. You probably have more of this type of person that I'm about to describe listening to this podcast than you would out in the community, because people listening to a fantasy podcast every day are relatively serious about their fantasy. You have very few people in fantasy that have their own perfected list going into fantasy draft day, and adhere to it as gospel. You might have a list of your top 150 people, whatever you want to call it. Let's say your name is Chris. That would be the Chris 150. Maybe your name, maybe your last name is... Doesn't matter. I'm going to do dumb jokes here, but we'll just keep moving forward. It's really hard when you're in a draft to just stick to it to really have your your ratings locked in. And again, I'm sure some of you guys have that. The way we operate on this podcast is generally to simplify, to categorize players into buckets that should go in a certain window. Most people go into a draft with guys they really want on their fantasy team. That, by the way, those are the guys you're going to beat pretty handily because they're taking guys at the wrong time. They're taking guys based on the screen they're seeing in front of them. Yahoo's list of O ranks or whatever, X ranks or whatever the hell they call them on a year-to-year basis. They change it up on us. Doesn't matter. Pre-ranks, O ranks, X ranks, overall ranks. That shows up on people's draft screens when they're doing their actual league draft and you have to scroll down to find guys you're looking for. Sometimes it's just easier to take a guy up near the top because in your mind you start to think, hey, why are these guys all here? Why is this list, why are, the, why are there nine guys up at the top of this list and everybody keeps passing over them? Maybe I should take them. Maybe they've fallen too far. It happens. Auto picks happen that are going to take the guy at the top of the list. Yahoo's... Even if, you, even if you assume every single person had their own list in a draft, if even one auto-pick happens, then Yahoo's pre-rankings have now steered the results towards their built-in numbers. Right? Because if you auto-drafted... Auto-drank is what I think everybody did yesterday on Thanksgiving. If you auto-drafted every single pick in a mock draft, it would go the exact order of Yahoo's pre-ranks. 
So every time someone has an auto pick, Yahoo has impacted the results. Every time someone starts to run a little bit low on time in a, in a fast snake draft, Yahoo has, has influenced the results. So once these numbers get put into the back end at Yahoo, ADPs start to steer towards them, Yahoo's projections. They dictate the average draft position of every player in the NBA much more than any list from outside of their service. So understanding what other people are looking at can help you game plan for where you take the guys you're looking for. Understanding that, let's say, Vooch has an ADP around 30 this year, understanding how it got to that point is because in Yahoo's projections, they have him projected as number 33. There's a little bit of a chicken and egg dialogue going at this point, but I'm fairly sure it was the Yahoo-flavored chicken. Yahoo put a Yahoo chicken in there, and it laid an ADP egg that pretty closely matched the chicken. If Yahoo had Vooch listed with projections at 14, his ADP would probably be pretty close to 14. They have him listed at 33. His ADP is really damn close to 33. There are fluctuations based on people having their own lists. The fact that we're dealing with largely early drafts now, so you can see kind of what diehards are doing, which, which side of Yahoo's projections the ADPs are coming in on. That tells you right there who's drafting players at the moment. So understand what people are going to be looking at when they're in draft rooms with you and how it's going to steer them towards it. If you get to pick 30 in your draft and Vooch is still on the board, he's going to probably be near the top of somebody else's screen, so he's probably going to go pretty soon. It's also, I'd say, equally likely that if you're around pick 20, let's say you have Vooch somewhere near 20 on your board. I, I, you guys know I like Vooch as kind of an old man squad type this year. He was number 17 last season in pre-bubble play, and I don't see that big of a reason why his number should change all that much, especially with the Magic going to a higher tempo. So let's say he does end up somewhere near 17 again uh, this coming year. You might say to yourself, well, should I, am I, you know, I have picked 20. So where would that put you coming back? 20, 21, 22, 24. You'd have 29 coming back in the third round. You could make a call at that point to say, you know, I think Vooch will probably still be on the board when it gets back to me at 29 because I know where he is on Yahoo's board. And I trust that other people are not scrolling down the way I am. And this is a hypothetical example, but understanding what other people are looking at is arguably more important than understanding how they feel about players. Okay, let's actually talk about some players now. I know there's like 20 minutes of, of pre-ADP chatter, but I, I think it's really important that we all understand why this is such a big piece of the puzzle. And for me personally, for your friendly neighborhood host here, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. By the way, hit me up if you want to work for HoopBall. We have uh, contributor-level positions with our gaming, DFS, and uh, full-season fantasy units. And we have opportunities to make money in our sales division so depending on what you're good at if you think you can handle it man it's a grind it's fun 
But we're not dabbling here. We want to be the best. So hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Same story if you want to get on a hoopball league. Hop on into a hoopball league with uh, about 200 other people that are doing it right now. Again, we'll just keep opening. Did I get that right? Yeah, we'll just keep opening leagues until people stop showing up. So bug me about those things. You guys know the drill. It's a Friday show, so I got to make sure I flip that in there. We... um. The drafts on those leagues start, I believe, on Monday, December 7th. They're slow drafts. That's why we're starting them so early. So uh, we still have um, about 10, 11 days to get into it, but not a ton anymore. So if you if you are considering hopping into a hoop ball league, you're going to want to do that now relatively soon. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, again, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email team hoopball at hoop-ball.com. ADPs are the single most important thing to me. I've got my board. I've got my board of players. I've got my guys I like, my guys I don't like. I've got my buckets split up. But what's much more important is maximizing the number of those guys you're able to get. If you have five or six guys on your must-get list, there's also an optimum order in which you should be taking those guys. We did an episode... Oh, man, when did we do that episode? Was that pre-bubble or was that a year ago? I legitimately don't remember when the hell we did the episode where we broke down optimum draft order. It's why, in the Brewski 150, Aaron says, don't use this as your draft sheet. This is not the order you draft people in. This is the order you expect them to finish, and you draft based on maximizing the number of guys you have at the end of the draft. Maximizing the number of guys on your list that end up on your team. As an example, and again, I I know that we haven't actually gotten into a real ADP number yet, but this stuff is all critically important. Let's say, I'm going to try to make this as easy as humanly possible. Let's say that uh, on your list, and this is completely made up hypothetical stuff, so don't Don't take this as, you know, these are Dan's rankings or anything like that. Let's say that you want to try to figure out a way to get... Ah, crap. Who who knows? Um, You want to get Kawhi Leonard on your team and... uh, What's another good example of this? Let's say you want to get Kawhi on your team and... Hmm. Trying the best way to to situate this thing. Um, you know what? I, I think I've got a better way. Let's say you want to get Vooch and Joel Embiid on your team. I, I was looking at the ADPs to try to make this make sense. Uh, right now, Joel Embiid is, is has an ADP of eighteen point three, and Vooch, as we just talked about before, has an ADP of thirty point four. I actually happen to think that Vooch will finish this year ahead of Joel Embiid just because of a games-played gap. Which, by the way, did happen last year. Vooch finished at number 20 by totals, and Embiid, as we've talked about before, was at 55, even though Embiid outperformed Vooch on a, on a per-game basis. So Joel was 15, Vooch was 17. But Vooch played 10 more games than Embiid, which made him a far better fantasy option. As you just heard, their ADPs are 18 for Embiid and Vooch for 30. We think, 
in this example, and this isn't even really hypothetical. This has this has some parallels to reality in it. We think Vooch finishes ahead of MB by how much it doesn't even matter. Even if we thought they were going to finish at the exact same spot. Let's say we think both guys finish at number 20. And sure enough, your pick comes up in the second round. Both of those guys are still on the board at pick 20. Which one do you take and why? It's a pretty easy example this time around, right? You take Joel Embiid because there's literally zero chance he gets back to you at pick 29. But there's like a probably a 50-50 shot that Vooch gets back to you at 29. So optimum draft order. If you took Vooch in this example, even though you think, even though in your mind's eye, you think Vooch finishes in front of Embiid, let's say you think Vooch finishes at 20 and Embiid at 22 or something like that, even though you think Vooch is the better player at the end of the year, you take Joel Embiid because that gives you a chance to maybe get both. This is why ADP is important. This is why. Because it gives you your optimum draft order based on the odds that you can get all the guys you're looking for. And that was a really easy example to follow because their ADPs are a full round apart. Their final values this year could be relatively close to one another, depending on how many games Embiid plays, really. That's what it'll come down to. And so when your pick came up at 20, it was pretty obvious. You're like, look, and and for this example, you had to forget we had to eliminate the, the prospect that there was anyone else we wanted to take. Let's say our top two guys on the board were Embiid and Vooch. Don't worry about all the other names, because I know even as I was saying it, some of you listening to the podcast were like, yeah, but other guys have an ADP of... Doesn't matter. Um, you know, DeAndre Aiden has an ADP of 21, and I'd rather have him than Vooch, or I'd rather him than... Doesn't matter. For this example that we're working on, assume that your two favorite players on the board at that moment were Joel Embiid and Nick Vucevic. That's all you needed to know for this example. It doesn't play out that way, right? Because, and that's what the, that's why you're playing optimum order. So let's say, let's play this hypothetical example out two different ways. Let's say you take Joel Embiid and Vooch gets back to you at 29. Great, you got both the guys you wanted there. Let's say you take Embiid and Vooch doesn't get back to you at 29. That doesn't mean you did the wrong thing and missed out on your guy. It meant that you played the odds, which if you play the correct odds an infinite number of times, law of large numbers at this point, you give yourself a better chance to build the team you want. This remains a hypothetical example, folks. I'm not telling you guys you all need to go out there and get Joel Embiid and Nick Vucevic. Far from it. I'm just trying to create an example in your minds so you guys can understand. Sure, okay, maybe Vooch comes off the board. You go to your next favorite guy. The guy on the board who had the uh, next most likely chance of being there when you got back to 29. Okay, and you work your way down that list. Embiid, least likely to be back at 29, so you've got to take him the soonest. Vooch, next least likely. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter who else you throw into that bucket there. Um, Donovan Mitchell is someone who's going in that pocket right now. He's maybe the next least likely to make it back there. So you work your way down that board, optimum draft order, and you try to maximize the number of guys on your list that you can get 
by taking them in the correct sequence. Okay, that's enough. We've done a half an hour on ADP theory. Let's do a little bit on actual average draft positions. By the way, uh, today is Black Friday over at manscaped.com. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order. They have a 25% off sale going at manscaped.com right now. That's good today and Cyber Monday. All right. So I know a lot of you listened to that whole thing and thought, when's Dan going to get to the actual fantasy stuff? But that is the actual fantasy stuff. Understanding how to use the information is more important than the information itself. But whatever. Let's do this. Number one. You guys all know number one. And there's no analysis needed here. It's James Harden. You have to take him because there's still a very real possibility he doesn't get traded this year. And if he doesn't get traded, he's going to obliterate the rest of the NBA again because he's likely going to play at least six more games than Anthony Davis. I'm trying to think of what the uh, pre-bubble mark was on those two guys, and we'll just pull it up mid-podcast. It was six. Now, Harden's numbers were actually worse than AD's on a per-game basis during those two, but because of the six additional games, he just he, he crushed them. It wasn't even close on a totals basis. And AD's going to get more rest this year than he got last year. So it has to be Harden number one. And it still has to be Anthony Davis number two because as good as everyone else was this last year and as many games as guys played potentially more than Anthony Davis this last year... No one was close. It was Harden way up at number one, AD way back at number two, but also way up over anyone else. Number three this last year was Nikola Jokic by totals, and he was it was about the same gap as what you have between Harden and Davis. And then everybody starts to get a little bit, not bunched up, because at the top, we know things still move quicker. Those first-round picks are, are so valuable, and, and the separation between guys is, is much larger there. But... There just wasn't anyone else near Anthony Davis. The only arguments you could maybe make would be Carl Anthony Towns or Steph Curry. And I don't think either of them I don't think either of them can get close enough on a per game. Steph, I guess, could get close enough on a per game basis, but I don't know that Steph is gonna play every game either, although certainly the Warriors are gonna have to make harder pushes than the Lakers this season. Still, you know, as great as Cat was looking before he got hurt last year, he wasn't even in the stratosphere with AD. Because Anthony Davis was averaging close to four defensive stats a game, and Cat was down around two. There's no bridging that gap. There's just no bridging that gap. Anthony Davis is so valuable in defensive stats, there's really nothing else that can come close. So it has to be James Harden number one, and it has to be Anthony Davis number two. And then, that's the way they are on Yahoo. So no, no argument from me here. This surprised me, by the way. I thought that there would be a bigger drop-off here. Steph Curry is currently the number three guy on Yahoo's ADP board, despite basically not playing last year. And it's because of the missing pieces in Golden State, and this was where he was before the Clay Thompson news broke. So Steph is basically going number three, and I don't think that there's... I mean, this is, this is about as clear, at least to me, that the top three has been in some time with you know there there with the Steph thing there's the the massive issue of health you know how many games does he take off but i don't know you know i i guess you could make a reasonable argument for cat at 3 
But I I think there's a top four this year, and then I think you have that drop off. You always there's always that first grouping, right? And this time there's kind of the 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 topmost grouping, and then there's the secondary topmost grouping. So you could probably make an argument for Cat at three. I'm probably going Steph just because of the the per game upside, even though I think Cat likely plays more games than Steph. And then I'm going Carl Anthony Towns at four. Is that the way it's stacked up on the board for Yahoo? It is. In ADP. No, it's not. Excuse me. Nikola Jokic is actually slotted in front of Carl Anthony Towns as the number four guy in ADP. And I'm not actually on board with this one. And that one might move because Yahoo has his projection at number seven. Uh, they have Doncic at four in their projections. So I, I think I think you probably see a little bit of movement here up at the top. But as we look at some of these names here, Steph at three, I'm okay with. Jokic at four. I would go Cat in front of Jokic. And, and last year, I think, is a good example of of why. It, you know, Cat's per-game value was like 150% of Jokic. The reason Nikola was number three on the season overall is because he played 65 pre-bubble basketball games, and nobody else in the top chunk was really all that close. Chris Paul at 63 was able to push his way up there. Adebayo at 65 made that massive leap because of durability. James Harden was 61. Um, LeBron was 60. Trey Young was 60. Durability is all the things when you have guys at the top here. So every little game you get is a chance to leapfrog two or three guys. And I think, you know, the Wolves might delude themselves into thinking they're going to be making a playoff push. They're not. But Cat, I think, wants to play the whole year. He's He's got something to prove. So does Steph. That's a coin flip at two and, at three and four for me. And then the fact that Jokic is going fourth in Yahoo leagues is is astounding, especially with the fact that he starts slowly. Notorious slow starter, Nikola Jokic. So, no. He is not my guy at that spot. I'm not on board with it. Dame is number six. He is my guy at that spot, so I'm good there. In fact, I might even consider Dame over Jokic, uh, mostly because I think Portland's going to have a better regular season than Denver this year. And and, and not necessarily win losses. I just think they're going to be a little more tuned up. They finally have a few good things going their way. They got some nice players. Portland picked up a couple of pieces. They're not quite as financially hamstrung as they have been in seasons past. I think Dame's going to have a really good year. And he's up there in projection, so he's probably not moving very much. Giannis, number seven. Wait. Yeah, Giannis, number seven. He's finally starting to slide back. <laughs> we'll call it the Dan Bespers effect after he was number 16 by totals last year and farther down the board, 19 by averages last season. Can you bank on his free throws coming back? Probably not. I don't think you can just assume that's going to happen, so uh, no thank you, unless you're punting free throws, which you know I don't. Trey Young is going eighth, which is, this is, a, again, a, a Giannis is a little bit of this as well, the impact of eight cat versus nine. Having the eight cat numbers blended in with the nine cat, th- there's almost no way that Trey Young gets to this level in nine category leagues unless it's because of durability. He was number 10 last year because he played in 60 ball games. So if you're getting him at eight, you're assuming he's going to play in like 68 out of the 72 games. I think I'd probably go a different direction here. Someone that has an opportunity, you know, if, if a, if a top-tier guy can play enough games. Here's a good example of why. 
Kawhi Leonard played in 51 games. Trey played nine more games than Kawhi, but Kawhi still beat him. So durability is not everything. I mean, looking at the list here, guys behind Trey Young that I would consider taking in front of him that are still, you know, the ADP lower on the charts here. Kawhi's probably one. Hmm, would I consider Kevin Durant? Uh, I don't know. That's a lot of missed games. I think Trey has a chance to jump past him. Jason Tatum is a possibility. Similar per game numbers between those two guys, or, or similar uh, games played, I should say, between those two guys. But Tatum beat Trey Young uh, because his per game value was just a little bit better last year, even though Trey actually beat him by one game played. So there's a couple of guys still on the board that I think I would look at prior to Trey Young. But, you know, believe it or not, not that many at this point. I, I, you guys also know that I think his arrow is pointed ever so slightly down with all the guys around him now. He's just not going to have to do as much. Luka Doncic is at nine on this board. Again, I think this is partially the eight cat being lumped in there. Luka gets banged around, too. You know, we've seen the Trey Young durability thing has been good so far. Luka, I don't want to say that he's not durable. He just takes a punishment. So Jason Tatum, who's at 10... One, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. I would probably go Tatum's direction before those two point guards. Although, you know, there's certain things that those guys give you that Tatum doesn't, meaning, you know, the big assist numbers, the uh, for Trey, the, the massive free throw impact. And sure, you know, Jason Tatum giving you a block a game and better rebounds and, you know, better field goal percent by a little bit over Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, it, it levels off. But I get it. Like, wing statistics are a little bit easier to find. So maybe that comparison isn't as perfect. Whereas, like, with Kawhi Leonard, you're getting wing statistics, but you're also getting massive defensive stats, huge steals, uh, pretty big assists, great percentages. There's there's just a, there's a leveling up there. Jason Tatum to Kawhi Leonard. LeBron is going at 11, which I completely disagree with. He's just, he's not going to have to play that much this year. Not at all on board with that particular ADP. I don't know that many pros that are. LeBron is probably looking more as a middle, late second round guy this year because of games missed. He's going to be great when he's out there, but he's going to be taking care of himself. Uh, They do need to reestablish some chemistry. There's been more turnover in LA than I thought there would be, but they'll figure it out. You know, they they can slow play it a little bit. You'll see him take off. They'll probably play a bunch of games right at the beginning of the year, try to establish some chemistry, and then they'll start rotating bodies around a little bit. Mid-season in particular, you'll see the dog days. That's when everybody's getting nights off. And number 12 is Kawhi Leonard, which is a steal. He's a total steal. I know that I've talked this season about how important games played are to the ledger, getting as many games played out of your top guys as humanly possible. And that's a big deal. And Paul George comes into this season healthy. But the Clippers actually lost a relatively high usage guy with Montrez Harrell moving across to the Lakers. They replaced him effectively with Serge Ibaka. Um, so, you know, in terms of what Kawhi's going to be expected to do, it'll be a tiny bit less on average because he played so many games last year without Paul George. But he's just really, really good. You could even see his field goal percent trend up a little bit, which, again, I, you know, we talked about how usage is value, and so a dip in usage would be a dip in value. But Kawhi Leonard was the consensus number three per game guy last year. It wasn't really that close. He was way behind Harden, but he was 
a decent chunk in front of Dame because Carl Anthony Towns and Kyrie were in there, but they didn't play enough games to really qualify. So it, it was Kawhi. And even by totals, when you consider the fact that he missed about 13 games pre-bubble last year, and you know, every reason to expect he'll miss about that many again this season, he still was number six because his per-game stuff was so strong. Kawhi Leonard was number six by totals last year, eclipsing some of the names we just talked about. He was ahead of LeBron, despite LeBron playing nine more games than Kawhi. He was ahead of Tatum. Tatum played eight more. Trey Young, Brad Beal, Giannis, all these guys by totals, and Kawhi beat him up. Kawhi was only behind Hassan Whiteside, who's in Sacramento now and... You know, we'll eventually get to his name on the board at some point. He was behind Harden, Davis, Jokic, and Lillard. Jokic and Lillard were the guys who passed him because of that that games played predicament. That was that was basically and and Whiteside, who we don't have to worry about being in the first round this year. So the fact that Kawhi Leonard is still falling to the turn is astounding to me. People didn't even notice. Isn't that crazy? He was great last year. And people didn't even notice. Because he has the stigma of the rest days. But everybody's resting now. Especially this year, you've got a number of guys that are going to be taking nights off that were right in there in that early clump. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic might get rest days. We don't know. Harden, they might kid-glove him a little bit if they're actually trying to move him. Not that Kawhi's going to pass those guys. I just... I don't know. I mean... Cat, Cat could probably slide in in front of him. Could Steph slide in in front of him? Whiteside falls out. I think you're still looking at Kawhi right around that number six, seven spot. So he's fallen too far. Too far. Let's keep, uh, yeah, let's keep going. I want to get a little bit farther. Maybe we'll do the top 20. Uh, Bradley Beal is the first pick in the second round. No. I know they're trying to move John Wall, but someone's coming back who's going to need the basketball. So... Nah, Bradley Beal, I'm bumping him down at least a half round. At least, could be more. 18-20 range? Sure. The turn? Nah. And maybe he plays enough games to wipe that out. You know, that was a big deal this year. Brad Beal was uh, 11th by totals because he did miss a handful of games. He was 11 by averages also. But, you know, if he only misses six or seven games this season. A lot of guys are probably going to miss 10 or 12. So maybe he, you know, maybe per game he's around 20, and by totals he's at like 14. But I don't know. I'm, I'm mostly drafting guys. At this point, because you just don't know on a lot of guys' durability, because it's it's a maybe, there are a few guys in there where you're like, yeah, that dude's not going to play a full season. We know already. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler. Obvious ones. But guys like Beal... They'll probably be fighting for that eight seed. We don't know who's going to be with on that team. His his usage is going to take a hit with Wall back. I'd rather go for somebody in this grouping that I think is actually going to put up per game numbers near 11 or 12. Which, there aren't that many of those guys left, but there are a couple. John Collins is going at 14. That's a bit early for my taste. Uh, not by a ton. I just, uh, again, I, I think... The odds of him maintaining first-round value over an entire year is just, it's just not going to happen. There's too many guys on that team now. Gallo, Clint Capella, those guys weren't there. Bogdan wasn't there. He was the only other guy besides Trey Young for the half of the season he played, and now he's he's going to be button heads with other... I mean, Gallo's a proven scorer. Capella, he's a rebounder. 
lot of the things that Collins was doing so well last year, they're going to be pulled away from him, at least in some capacity. Not all the way, but some. Kevin Durant is at 15, although, again, these ADPs are a little clustered. Collins, KD, Beal, they're all going kind of right in that same little pocket, but he is 15, and that, I think, is a pretty good... That's actually a pretty good deal for Kevin Durant. I, I think even with the with the missed ball games, the upside with him is Kawhi territory, six or seven, playing really, really well, you know, top five per game, but misses 12, 13 games. And then the downside is probably right around here. But additional injury, I guess, would be the other downside where he could tank your team. And that, ugh. oh, God, you guys know how I feel about making picks early that could actually blow up your roster as opposed to just, you know, like the next guy on the board here. Paul George is 16, and he'll almost definitely be near that number at the end of it all. Maybe around, maybe not around, maybe a slot or two lower, maybe a slot or two higher, but he's coming into the season healthy. He finally was starting to get right. Mentally, he'll be in better shape. Clippers have all this, this overhaul, so I think the spirits will be a little bit better there. Yeah, maybe KD beats him. But is it worth it? Is it worth it with some of these guys? Is it worth it? What if Kevin Durant ends up at number 9, Paul George ends up at 16? Are you going to be killing yourself that you took Paul George? Because there's at least a 20% chance that KD misses two or three weeks just with something that Paul George doesn't. And suddenly one guy's got seven, eight, nine games more than the other. And that's pretty easy to lap a dude when you're playing an extra two to three weeks. I think I'm probably going safe there. Jimmy Butler is number 17. That's a no-go for me. I, I just I don't see how he plays more than 60 games this year, and it's probably less than that. So uh, Jimmy Butler, he's a guy I'd look at at the end of the second round. That's a that's the target zone. He's probably not falling that far. Joel Embiid is 18. We already talked about that earlier in the show, actually. I think that's probably a reasonable spot for him. But again, massive injury risk. So no, I think I'm passing there. Devin Booker at 19. Boy, did he look good during the bubble. Didn't he look good during the bubble? He's always going to be better in in 8-cat than 9 because he's a very high turnover guy. Um, His percentages have gotten very good. Chris Paul, I think, is going to make him a better basketball player, and I don't think his usage should change all that much. They got rid of Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio. They brought in Chris Paul. A lot of the other guys around him now are less shoot-firsty. Not that there were last year, but... He doesn't really have shoot-first guys around him. He's, he's clearly the lead dog on this team. So 35 on a per-game basis in 9-cat. Played in 62 games, with which jacked him all the way to number 13 by totals last year. And so that's that's actually a distinct possibility that he, like Bam Adebayo, ends up as a third-round per-game guy who, who shows durability. You know, Phoenix is one of those teams that's going to be pushing this year. If Booker gets a tiny bit better, which, again... You know, hard to say that that's definitely going to happen. Let's say he brings his turnovers down a little bit, or, you know, maybe his scoring. Could his scoring increase? I I guess it could. Maybe, let's say he's number 30, and he plays almost every game. That actually does make him an early second-round value. So this isn't that insane for Booker to be going at 19. But again, I think if you're drafting somebody at 19, you're probably drafting someone that you hope has a per-game value near 19. Do we think he can get to that? Probably not in 9-cat. 8-cat, yeah, sure, why not? 8-cat, he could be great. 
but that's not what we're talking about today. Pick number 20, and that's where we'll ultimately put a pin in today's discussion, is Russell Westbrook. That's a sad one to end on, isn't it? Because you ain't taking him a 9-cat in the middle of the second round. You might, an 8-cat. He was very good uh, in 8-category leagues last year, despite playing alongside James Harden. He saw a big efficiency jump, started making his free throws again. If we have more clarity on the Houston situation or you know the Harden-Westbrook situation, maybe we, we reconsider. But for now, that's a no. That's a no for me. What's the Randy Jackson line? That's a no for me, dog. Yeah, that's a no for me, dog. Russell Westbrook at 20. Uh-uh. Too many guys behind him on this list that just at a quick glance I'd rather have in almost any format. I think we'll probably continue this stuff on Monday because this is, this is needle-moving information, and uh, we'll obviously take a quick peek back on Monday as well, see if any of these numbers changed. Hope you guys are enjoying Odds Boost Weekend, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, there will be a deal. We'll talk about that on the Monday podcast as well. Again, hit me up if you want to be in a hoopball league or want to work for us here at Hoopball. Again, taking contributor positions. And uh, let's go win some fantasy dollars. We're, we're getting there. I love this ADP stuff. I'm Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Follow me, please. Welcome to the show. Oh, by the way, if you like this stuff, please drop us a five-star review. Uh, I will be forever in your debt. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Sorry for the late release today. Whatever. It's Friday. You know, we're all trip to fan hangovers today. We'll talk to you on Monday, okay? Okay. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.